Okay, well, so far in this series on character, we've talked about our thoughts, we've talked about our feelings, we've talked about our body, we've talked about our will or heart or spirit, however you want to word that, three different perspectives there. And I've addressed these parts um, of us separately. We've literally taken a sermon for each one of these, these parts, and we've tried to unpack them more. Well, today... I want to merge these parts of ourselves, okay? I want to merge our thoughts and our feelings and our body, put them together and talk about a key element in walking in holiness. So that's going to be our plan today. And I just want to say this right off the top. It would would be possible, the danger uh, we could have today is that we would just listen to the sermon and be like, yeah, it's just a regular sermon, and we walk out of here and we purge everything we've heard. I really want to encourage you not to do that today, because what we're going to talk about today is absolutely crucial in this quest of Christ-like character in our lives. Um, It's such an important role that we need to be doing in our lives, and so I encourage you, lean in today. I know i got a lot of stuff I'm going to be giving you, but lean in, try to take it, try to learn it, and most of all, try to apply it in your life. Don't just toss it out as soon as you walk out, okay? All right. Little review to prepare us for today. Uh, Three weeks ago, we discussed how we talked about our bodies. And our bodies were created with this unique ability to learn how to do something to the point where we don't have to think about it anymore. Have you ever noticed that our bodies can do that? Like, I can walk. I don't even think about it. Just have, I can walk and talk at the same time and not even think about it. My body has learned to do that. Have, Have anybody ever tried to teach your kids how to drive a car? It's one of the most terrifying things to ever do. But one thing that I learned in trying to teach my kids how to drive was I never really realized how much there is to driving. Like when when I'd be there with my my kid going, all right, honey, be careful. There's a red light coming up. We're going to have to slow down this car in front of you. His brakes legs are turning on, so pay attention to that. Look at your rearview mirror. I mean, what's what's going on there? You got to pay attention. Whoa, slow down, slow down. We're going a little too fast here. Got that? All right, put your blinker on. Make sure your blinker's on. All right, make sure you look. Make all these sort of things, and all these things go on while you're driving, and you don't even realize it. Once your body learns how to do it, it just happens subconsciously. Your body just takes over and you learn how to do it. It's a pretty amazing thing. How many of you guys have ever had where you're driving down the road, the interstate no less, and like after 20 minutes you kind of go, I don't remember driving for the last 20 minutes. Has anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. It, it's scary. It's like, oh my land. What if something would have happened? Your body just kicks into you know, autopilot and is able to do it. Well, that's an awesome thing. However, we discussed how sinful behavior can also take root in our body. In other words, our body learns how to do evil things, and it becomes programmed, if you will, to act out in a sinful manner without even consciously thinking about it. And we discussed how Paul mentioned in Colossians, these are the parts of our body, the members of our body, that need to be put to death, okay? These habits, and, and we talked about how our body really isn't inherently evil. It's a very good thing. God created it to be good. But unfortunately, living in this dark world, opposed to God, our body has found itself bent towards evil. Okay? Now, I don't care who you are, we all know what that's like, where our body is just bent towards evil. Well, today we want to discuss how we, can, how we have been set free from that 
and how when it comes to living a godly spiritual life, habit is such a key principle to apply to our lives. Guys, habits are realities in our human bodies that are often used for evil, but we're going to learn to try to learn to use them for good. Okay? Because the reality, when we become followers of Christ, just because we believe in Jesus and our spirits are regenerated does not mean that our habits are suddenly made perfect. Like, for instance, has anybody ever read the book Screwtape Letters? Okay, it's written by C.S. Lewis. And the premise of that book is there's this, I guess, master demon is teaching an apprentice demon how to work with the human that's under his control, if you will. And so this young demon, the apprentice demon, is, came to the, his uncle, Screwtape is his name, and he's like, hey, uh, the, this, this human being that I have, he became a Christian. He was really freaked out because he became a Christian. And Uncle Screwtape said this. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Because the person's habits, both mental and physical, are still in our favor. See, the point is, is when we believe in Jesus and our spirits are regenerated, the reality is our sinful habits that are ingrained into our body, they're still bent towards evil. They're still there, okay? And we have to, you know, figure out how to remove that. We have to see our habits transformed. And um, we're going to learn how to do that today. We're going to learn the form that that can take. And we're going to start by looking at a verse in Romans chapter 6. In fact, if you have a Bible, just turn to Romans chapter 6 because we're going to look at several verses in that chapter. But Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. All right? Cool verse, but what does it mean? Well, this verse is, is talking about our part in changing our habits. Okay? And this is so crucial. We have to get, get this. Guys, we have a part in this. Okay? And we're going to look at what our part is. And I'm going to try to break it down into three different stages. Three different stages of, of personal redemption or personal steps of freedom, okay? We're in the process of buying back or getting back the parts of us that have been bent towards evil for far too long. So let's begin. Here's stage number one. Stage number one is we need to understand that we are baptized into Christ, okay? Now I know that's kind of a fancy little Christian lingo jargon phrase that we throw out a lot of times, but we need to understand it because these words and these phrases have meaning. So what does it mean to be baptized into Christ? Well, let's try to understand that. And to understand that, let, let me read you a couple of verses. If you back up to Romans 5.20, it says, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, if there's a lot of sin, there's even more grace. Grace surpasses sin in that it overwhelms it. So Paul anticipates that the reader is going to think, Well, whew, if that's the case, then let's just keep on sinning, right? I mean, there'll be more grace. Well, let's see how Paul responds. Verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now there's, there are four powerful, powerful verses. Okay, Let's look at verse 1. Look at Paul 
Paul's questions that he asks, okay? He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? What's the answer? No. And in the Greek, guys, that is an emphatic no. It's one of the most emphatic no's you can get in the Greek. I mean, he is like, no stinking way, okay? By no means. In fact, his surprising claim is that we cannot just keep on sinning. And why is that? Look at the verse. Because we are dead to it. Exactly. Now, I know that's hard for us to get our minds around, but let's just kind of put on a crude metaphor if we could. But look at it this way. We can no longer run on sin because our engines have been switched over to a new kind of fuel. Okay? We can't run on this new kind of fuel and the old kind of fuel at the same time. In other words, we can't live from Christ and from sin at the same time. Can't do it. And why isn't that possible? Well, let's look at verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Why is it not possible? Because we've died to sin. Well, how do we die to sin? Because we were baptized into Christ's death. Now, if you're like me, you read these verses and you kind of just like blink, 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 blink. I don't know what's going on here. There's so much going on. And it's tempting to just keep reading, to skip over it. This is some heavy-duty Christian terms going on here, but we have to understand it. We have to grasp this stuff. It's key to taking on the character of Christ. So why some, what do you think it means to be baptized into Christ? Let me hear some answers. Immersed into what? Okay, well, let's talk about it. That word baptized actually does mean to be immersed. Okay, when we're baptized in water, we're immersed into the water. So according to this verse, we were immersed into Christ. That being the case, if we were immersed into Christ, listen to this here, then technically what Jesus experienced, we experienced as well. Is everybody following me? So work with me here. If Jesus died, then what's true of us? We're going to die or we died? We died. So if Jesus was buried, what's true of us? We were buried. And if Jesus was risen to new life, then what's true of us? We're risen to new life. This, the Jesus kind of life, the divine life. Now, this new kind of life not only provides new powers for our human self, but also a completely new orientation for the natural impulses of our body. Okay? In other words, it's a new way of positioning our habits. Sin has done a number on our habits. Okay? And these habits of ours are messed up. We got to learn how to reposition ourselves with that. Now, I want you to hear me right now. To be dead to sin does not mean that suddenly all of our old sinful impulses are gone, they're still there. Okay? They're still ingrained into our body. What it does mean is that we have a new, real alternative to it. We don't have to do that anymore. We can be set free from it. In this new life, guys, we're capable of standing beyond sin's reach and choosing what we're going to do. We're dead to it. Now, it's still possible. It is possible in the abstract for us to sin, 
but we suddenly don't want to anymore. We, we can't stand that we do. It doesn't bring any satisfaction. It just brings extreme conviction. And why? Because we're new creations who are trying to run on a new type of fuel. Okay? And when we, no, we're new creations that are trying to run on this old type of fuel that that's not what we're created for anymore. Okay? Our engine doesn't run on that anymore. We're now able to run on a new type of fuel. We have a choice now. And this is, all bec- this is all possible because of this new life from above that we've been given. Now, people without this new life, they can't do it. They are slaves to sin. Their minds have been held captive to do the enemy's will because they believe his lie. They, they don't have a choice. Okay? We do have a choice. We have a new force inside of us that gives us a choice. And in this sense, I want you to get this phrase here, we are free from sin even though we might not yet be free of sin. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So, we're baptized into Christ. We now are able to live his kind of life because we're dead to this old kind of life. Does that make sense? All right, that's stage number one. Okay? Here's stage number two. Stage number two is we need to come to the conclusion or we need to conclude and take on a brand new attitude. And I'm going to discuss that. The second part of our you know, personal redemption, it's a specific act on our part. In other words, we must choose to do this. Stage one is done for us. You know, Christ did that for us. But stage two rests on us doing it. And this choice should then develop into this long-lasting attitude that we live with our entire life. Let's read Romans 6, 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, really study that verse. Count yourselves dead to sin. Now, that word count really doesn't do anything for me. I don't use the word count a lot. Like, well, I guess maybe I do where you say uh, count on me being there or count on it or whatever. But I think in this sort of thing, for me, it makes a lot more sense to put in the word conclude. Um, in our freedom, we are to conclude. That is, we're to consciously and purposefully regard ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in union with Christ. Now, whatever that has come before this point, this is something we have to do. It's something that won't be done for us. And what is it that we have to do? Here it is. We have to come to the conclusion that we have died to sin. We are dead to sin. Our old self is dead. Now how do we know that our old self is dead? Tell me, third service. Because it has what? Been, it's been, we've been baptized with Christ, so therefore it's died with Christ, okay? So our old self is dead dead. We can count on that to be true. We can conclude it. Now let me ask you, third service, is our old self really dead, though? Why'd you just say no? We just said it was. I tricked you. You see, that's the tricky part. Because in our lives, because we keep doing the sinful things over and over again, what do we start to think? that maybe it isn't dead. But guys, the old self is dead. That's not us anymore. This 
sinful things that are going on with us, what, what is it? Tell me, what are these things? They're habits that are dwelling in our body. Okay, But it's not us. It's the sin that's dwelling in us. So therefore, we must count that to be true, that we are dead to sin. We must conclude it. Literally bring our old person before our minds and dissociate from it. Saying, that's not me anymore. That is not and shall not be me. Now, does everybody get that? Is our old sinful self still alive? Say it with more confidence. All right. No, it's dead. It's in the tomb. It's buried. So, if our old sinful self is dead and buried, then why do we still have this natural tendency to sin? What is it? Habits. Okay? It's these habits that are ingrained in our bodies. These are the remnants of sin still dwelling in me. These automatic responses that just, you know, happen, that make us feel and act in ways that are wrong. But it isn't me. I recognize that it's no longer me because the old me is dead. It's just the sin that's dwelling in me. Now, like I said before, I, there's so many times where those old sinful habits have acted up to where it makes you start to wonder, oh my word, maybe, maybe it's not dead. But guys, we have to, stage number two is we have to come to the conclusion that it is dead. Okay? We're not that old person. That old person is gone. It's dead. Say it with me. The old person is dead. Okay. And if we're going to have any hope in purity, we need to, in a sense, separate ourselves from these old evil habits that have taken up residence in our body. They have to be put to death. And let me tell you, third service, this is where the reign of sin over our bodies and our lives can take place. It can be broken. Okay? We have a simple power given to us and communicated to us through the gospel to live a, to think a certain way and therefore come to the conclusion of these things being what we think of them. For example, Paul teaches us to think of ourselves as if the world's sinful motivational system is nothing to us, as if it were dead to us. Now, here we are, back to our thoughts. Guys, I'm telling you, thinking is one of the most powerful, amazing freedoms we've been given in this new life. I know old habits are hard to break, but our decision to dwell or not to dwell on these thoughts upon certain things is a freedom we've been given. It's a powerful, powerful choice. We can do that now. So let's kind of talk about our thoughts. And this is going to make more sense what I'm saying here. There's like seven major categories of thoughts that are out there. Um, there's uh, gluttony, fornication, uh, love of money, discontent, anger, despondency, and pride. Okay, those are some like main headings, and a lot of thoughts will just come from those things. Now, we cannot control whether these thoughts pop into our head or not, but we can control what happens after that. Let me ask you guys, have you ever had a time in your life where you're just sitting there doing life as usual, just completely normal, nothing new going on, and all of a sudden a thought pops into your mind, an evil, wicked thought where you go, holy smokes, where did that come from? Has anybody ever had that or is that just me? All right, all of us. I've had it happen while I'm reading the Bible. I'll be reading the Bible and all of a sudden, where did that come from? Good grief. Thoughts happen, okay? Now, there's this guy named Abba Evagrius or something like that. Um, he, he made this statement. He says, whether these thoughts disturb the soul or not, 
does not depend on us, but whether they linger in us or not and set passions in the motions or not does depend on us. Luther used to say this. He said, we can't help if a bird flies overhead, but we can help it. We can keep them from building a nest in our hair. Okay? And what he's talking about here is that thoughts are going to pop into our mind left and right, and we can argue back and forth as to where those thoughts come from, but regardless, those thoughts come. I don't care who you are. They come out of nowhere sometimes. But those thoughts don't have to dominate us anymore. We're given the power to take those thoughts captive. So how do we do that? Well, let's discuss it. And personally, I think this is one of the most valuable parts of being able to live out holy lives that we've been given from God. So pay attention to this. And first, I want to start by showing us the progression that leads to sin in our lives. And I want you to, you don't have to turn there, stay in, in Romans 6, but I'm going to show you a verse in James chapter 1, where it says this, But each one is tempted, when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it brings it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, we've talked about this, I think it was like three weeks ago, where we talked about thoughts are attached to feelings. Okay? Thoughts and feelings go together. We mentioned how thoughts will produce feelings or they'll produce desires within us. We have a thought, that thought will produce a desire, and, and that's how it works. Like if I were to say, guys, I want you to just think about pizza right now. This delicious oozing mozzarella cheese dripping down and holding that stuff. Well, if we think about that, next thing you know, we desire pizza. You know, those of you who are pregnant, that's what you're going to have for lunch right now because you're just like, I'm going to crave pizza. All right? Because you're thinking it leads to a desire. Okay? So now look at this verse. Each one, now who does that leave out? No one. All of us. Each one of us is tempted when, now follow me, by his own evil desire is dragged away. Now, it's telling us that there's an evil desire. So what had to happen first? A thought, okay? A thought led to an evil desire, and that evil desire drags us away and entices us, okay? Now, that word in the Greek is like a lure, a fishing lure, how a fishing lure is kind of going through the water, and a fish is watching it, and it gets enticed, and it comes out. Now, when that when that desire is conceived is when they grab hold of that lure, okay? And that lure gets set, boom, suddenly sin takes place. It gives birth to sin. And then sin gives birth to death. Now follow me. Really understand this. You need to see this progression. Thoughts produce desires. And once desire sets the hook, it gives birth to sin. And sin gives birth to what? Death. Okay? Now, this is important because I want you to see where actually sin takes place in the progression. In other words, let's say I'm sitting here reading the Bible and a lustful thought pops into my mind out of nowhere. Tell me, third service, have I just sinned? No. No, I haven't. Okay? I haven't sinned yet. Not yet. At the moment, it's just a thought. But I have a choice here. I can do one of two things. What's one thing? I can do what? I can take it captive or I can choose to dwell on it, okay? I can just choose to dwell on it. Let's say I choose to dwell on that thought for a few seconds and a feeling or desire begins to form in me. Have I sinned yet? Not quite, but I'm getting very dangerously close. 
I believe we could probably still be rescued at this point, but I tell you, we're playing with fire because once that desire sets its hook, it's hook, we're done. Because we come to a point in our mind where we go, you know what? I'm going to do it. And at that point, we've sinned. We may not have acted it out yet, but in our mind, we've decided to do it. And that's where sin gives birth, and that leads to death. Okay? So, third service, work with me here. Looking at this progression, tell me, where, where do we need to focus our battle? On our thoughts. Exactly. Okay? And that's why it tells us in Corinthians to take every thought guide. Let me read it to you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is where the battle takes place. If we take every thought captive, the desire can't take formation. And therefore, it won't lead to sin. Now, Whitestone, according to this verse, how many thoughts do we take captive? Every one. And guys, I promise you, if you do this, if you put this into practice, by God's grace, you will be set free from sin. You will. And that's the key part to stage two. Stage one, we're baptized into Christ. We're immersed into him. Therefore, our old selves have died and are buried. Stage two, because of that truth, we conclude it to be true. We, we reckon it. We count it as true that we're dead to sin. We're alive to Christ. Therefore, by that grace given to us from God, we're now able to think correctly. And we're able to be set free from that practice of sin. Now notice, I, I don't know if you paid attention here, how many dimensions are taking part in this of our human self? The will is choosing. We're choosing to think about something, have thoughts with our mind, which will then lead to desires which will play out in our body. Do you see? All of our dimensions are taking part in this. Each dimension plays a key part. All right, let's look at stage three. Stage three is this. We simply submit our body parts to righteousness. Now this brings us back to the first verse we looked at. Okay? As we realize, and I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff, guys, but please keep hanging on to me here. Okay? As we realize that we've been immersed into Christ, immersed into his death and his burial and his resurrection, we understand that was true, what was true of him is true of us. Stage one. We then start to reckon ourselves or count ourselves or come to the conclusion about ourselves that we really are dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're able to be set free from the slavery of sin. And we experience that freedom in our thought life. We now, by God's grace, are able to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ, which makes us ready for stage three. You see, our bodies, as we just talked about, used to be bent towards evil. We would have evil thoughts, which would lead to evil sinful actions. And over a lifetime of doing this, our body has picked up these habits and it just naturally happens. We don't even think about it. But because we can take thoughts captive now, now that we've been set free from that, we no longer have to have these lures floating past us and trying to distract us and hook us. We can now use our bodies for righteousness. In this third stage, what we're going to be doing is purposely directing our bodies in such a way to where we're going to live out righteous habits. Okay, 
where we're going to develop righteous habits where our body will live it out automatically. It's just going to happen. Okay? In the past, it would act out sinfully. We're going to form new habits where we act out righteously. Where in the past, we might have cursed someone with our mouth. We're now going to use our mouth to bless them. Well, let's just kind of talk about that. That's a great example. Here's a great thing that you can practice. You can put this literally into practice. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. What do you think is the greatest place to put that into practice? In the car. (laughs) While you're driving. And you know what? While you're driving the speed limit. If you drive the speed limit, you'll be cussed out left and right. I, I promise you. A couple years ago, I started to practice this. I'm like, okay, you know, Jesus says to do this. This is a great place for me to start to practice this. And so, you know, in my early 20s, I got so many tickets, I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go the speed limit. I'm going to save money and go the speed limit. So I've been trying to go the speed limit. My kids hate it. My wife says I'm a grandpa, but I don't care. I'm saving money. So I'm cruising along, and I care. You don't, you go the speed limit just for five minutes, and somebody come up behind you, they flash their lights, and they're like flashing other things at you, and they're running the speed past you, and they're yelling at you. They, they get so mad, and they'll cruise past you, and they'll yell stuff at you. And what's our natural reaction? What does our mouth do? We'll, we'll give it right back to them, okay? We don't have to think about it. It just happens, okay? But I've learned that, okay, that, that is not who I am anymore. That's just an old sinful habit ingrained in my body. My mouth will naturally do that. I'm going to take that thought captive, and I'm going to practice to use my body for an, act, for an act of righteousness. So I began to practice blessing them. Now, at first, it's not that I wanted to do it. I mean, trust me, I wanted to run them off the road. But I'm saying, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. So I'm going to practice to bless them. So I began to, God, just bless that person. I pray that they might experience you today. They don't even realize that, you know, that they're missing out on you in their hurry today. So just bless them. And I began to do that over and over and over again. After about two, two and a half months, when a guy would like, I remember the, when, it, when it happened, I was on the interstate and some guy flipped me off for something. I don't know what I did. I'm probably a terrible driver. That's why so many people... <laughs> Somebody drove by and flipped me off and was screaming at me for something. And my instant reaction was, God bless him. Just, he needs to experience you today. And I went, that was awesome. (laughs) I didn't even think about it. It just happened. You know, that's God's grace. But old habits had to be done away with and new habits had to be formed. And like I said, guys, this isn't going to be done for us. Nobody's going to do this for us. I mean, where we would use our hands to punch somebody, now we need to learn how to use it to serve somebody. Where our eyes would want to look at evil, we now look at God's beauty. So many parts of our body, we need to use it for righteousness, and nobody's going to do it for us. This will not happen automatically. If we just leave things as they be, our body will still be bent this way. We have to apply effort in this. And I know so many Christians, when they hear the word effort in the Christian life, they get all like, oh my, Luke, be careful of that because that's work salvation. And we shouldn't be into work salvation. Let me tell you something, and I need you to hear this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We're not trying to earn. We're just applying effort. And then God's grace takes that effort and does the things in us that we could never, ever do. But it won't be done for us. But I tell you, if we do this, if we apply the effort, this is what's going to happen. I want to read you this verse, this uh, chapter 6, Romans, verse 17. 
It says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to what? Righteousness. Amen. Amen. Guys, habitual reliance upon God as we dedicate our bodies to training in righteousness, we're going to start to make it to where sin isn't even necessary in our lives anymore. It's going to become dispensable. Where we once thought, man, I could never live without this activity in my life. Not only can we live without it, man, our life's way better without it. We're going to start to become uninterested in sin. We're going to start to find it revolting. Our desires and our interests are going to be transformed because our actions and our attitudes are based upon the reality of the kingdom of God. It's literally as stark as a difference as a caterpillar and a butterfly. It's the same life, but they're completely... It's a, this butterfly is a brand new creation. That caterpillar... It's cruising around on what do they have, like 50 legs, you know, munching on leaves and twigs and dirt and nasty stuff like that. And suddenly a transformation happens in that caterpillar's life and it becomes this beautiful creation that doesn't have to crawl around anymore. It can fly. It doesn't eat nasty twigs and dirt and junk like that. It's drinking nectar. It's a whole new creation. That's what we have been invited into through this divine life. But guys, we play a part in it. And as we apply our effort into this, God's grace works with us, and we start to experience the life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here's our homework, and I know I've been calling it times with God, but this, this week's going to be homework. You're going to have to do something here. What I want you to do is I want you to memorize this. Okay, this is a, a little paragraph I want you to memorize, and here, here's how it's going to go. Whoa. The old, and plug in your name, so the old Luke is not and shall not be me. I've been baptized into Christ and I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to righteousness. I, I no longer run on that old kind of fuel. I run on a new, powerful kind of fuel. I run on righteousness. And the members of my body from now on are going to be used for righteousness because I am part of the kingdom of God. I want you to memorize that. Put it into your memory. Now here's why. Because every time you have a wrong thought okay, that falls into these seven categories, I want you to take that thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, and I want you to state this phrase out loud. I think there's power in the spoken word. Speak it out loud. Now, if you're in the middle of pick and save, do it quietly under your breath. Don't <laughs> belt it out. You're going to freak people out. But state this phrase out loud, believing it and meaning it. Practice Jesus' presence with you when you speak it out. Now, I'm going to warn you. As you begin to put this into application, you put effort into starting to do this, you're going to find you're going to be speaking this phrase once every two minutes or so. You're like, good grief, another thought. Oh, no, this is not and shall not be me. And you, you go through it and you go walking along and a girl walks in there, this is not and shall not be me. Or this is like you're greedy and you're like, this is not and shall not be me. You're going to find that thoughts come to our mind all the time and we're not even aware of it anymore because we're just used to being bombarded with it and we just kind of take it. But as you stand up to them and you take them captive and you apply this principle, I'm telling you, it's going to spread from two minutes to five minutes, to 10 minutes, to 20 minutes, to hours, to days, to where the thoughts aren't going to come anymore. Because 
you're training your body towards righteousness. And you're going to start to experience holiness in your life. But guys, as I said, nobody's going to do this for you. We must apply it. And so guys, I encourage you, start the process this week. And don't just say, all right, week's over. I don't have to do it anymore. No, this is a lifetime. Begin to put this into practice and see it play out in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for my Whitestone family. Uh, God, they, they're just some of the greatest people on this earth, and I'm so thankful I get to do life with them. God, we, we don't want to just do life. We want to live out the divine life. And every one of us in this room, um, I know it might seem daunting to us, but we all want it. And God, we, we can't do it without you. We need your grace to work out in our life. But God, I pray that you'd give us a desire in our thoughts to be able to want this and to put the necessary actions into play in our lives so that we start to see these things play out. God, may we not walk out of this door today and just forget what we've heard. May we put it into our mind and begin to live it out. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next Sunday.